One of the greatest joys of my life is being a father. Um, I, I love being a dad. Um, I really didn't know prior to kids that I would love being a dad as much as I love it. Like, it wasn't one of those things that I aspired to be most of my life. Like, I wanted to be a husband. I thought I would, I thought I would enjoy a wife, right? Um, I, didn't, I just didn't know what a blessing being a dad would be. And so for me, uh, it, it's, it's just a great joy. And at, at this point, I have two boys. They're uh, John Owen and James. They're 13 and 11. And one of the things uh, about being their dad that I just really enjoy, uh, that just brings me great joy, is having conversations with them and talking with them. And, uh, man, my kids, James is, like, really funny. And so it's like talking to a comedian. And so he always has incredibly, like, when you just kind of get him alone and, and out from, you know, he's some, somewhat can be an introvert. So, like, you kind of get him, get him in, in our family, and he's just full of jokes and he clowns me and makes fun of me, and I just love it. I love talking to him. And, and I have to watch because he's got impeccable timing. And so, like, he likes to catch me mid-bite, you know, you know like, to make, like, you don't drink milk uh, when James is, like, close by. He'll get you. And John Owen, man, we, he has such a deep conversation. He's just, he's just a great thinker. He's got a theological mind. He thinks about the things of the Lord. Jennifer and I have started using him like our own Google. And so rather than Googling it, we just ask John Owen and he gives us an answer. And I can be like, hey, what's the root of that word? And he can like go to the Latin and tell me. And I'm like, yeah, thanks. And that was easier than Googling it and having to read the article. I love talking to them. We're on long car, car rides or we're doing something. We get in a deep conversation. I love it. Now, they were sitting in the last service, and so they hear me saying this last service, and like you see them, they're like looking at each other, and so they had to be thinking, then dad, why do you sometimes yell, would you just stop talking? <laughs> dad, how come sometimes when I'm talking to you, you look at me with this glazed over blank face, as if you don't know what I'm saying? Well... I'll tell you, it's because I'm not omni-anything, right? God is uh, omniscient, he's omnipotent, he's omnipresent, like he knows everything, he can do more than, th more than one thing. God is a great multitasker. I am not. I can barely walk and talk, much less listen and like read instructions trying to put something together. And so as much as I love listening to my boys and have a conversation with my boys, I'm limited in my ability to do so. However, that is not our, how our relationship with God works. I mean, we're going to talk about prayer today. And this is one of the most amazing things about God is that God loves to communicate with his children. He loves for us to pray to him. It brings him joy. It brings him glory. And here's the craziest thing. Like, God in heaven is keeping the whole cosmos in order. Everything in order. He's keeping our earth spinning. He's keeping uh, everything in our existence working. And yet, he can hear every Christian's prayers at the same time. Everyone in this room can be praying to God, and God can hear our prayers, our individual prayers, our small little prayers that we so often think are insignificant. He can hear them, and he can care, and he can answer them. Isn't that incredible? Today, um, 
I'm going to go ahead and ask you to go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 11. And as you're turning there, I, I want to share with you uh, the big truth for the day. And the big truth today is super simple. It's this. Prayer is how we communicate with God. Prayer is how we communicate with God. His word is how he communicates with us. The reading of the word, the studying of the word is how he communicates to us. Um, he uses the word and his Holy Spirit to convict us in a mood. But prayer is how we communicate with God. Now, I have a, a longer big truth, and I shortened it down to that. Here's the longer big truth. You don't need to write this down because you're actually going to get this throughout the sermon. Prayer is how we communicate with God to express our faith in him, commitment to his glory, need for his grace, to ask forgiveness for our sins, and how to ask for protection from the fallen world. Now, as we dive in to Luke chapter 11, um, I, I just want to note something. Like, this is often called uh, the Lord's Prayer. This is what we would know this as. Um, when we recite the Lord's Prayer, when you kind of, if, if you have the Lord's Prayer memorized, there's a decent chance you have it memorized in the King James Version. Anybody? Right? Our Father who art in heaven. And some people thought his name was Howard because it's a who art in heaven. It's like, no, God's name's not Howard. Uh, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen that little, that little video. It's, it's hilarious. Uh, that we recite the KJV and we recite it from the Sermon on the Mount in the book of Matthew. Right? So in Matthew, uh, it's a little, Matthew records for us a little longer prayer. Now, I believe, as, and I think this is, most scholars believe this, that these are two different instances. Uh, Matthew was during the Sermon on the Mount. Remember in the book of Luke, it was the Sermon on the Plain. where There wasn't the same place. He used some of the same context. Just like a modern day preacher, just like I do. I use the, the same material. I teach the same things when I go different places. It's often in context and it's often I teach it differently in different places. And so uh, that, that would be the reality. So we're looking at a separate instance where he's taught his disciples to pray. It's a shortened Con, con, uh, version, it's a little more condensed, but it really only takes out some of the redundancy of Matthew chapter 11. So there's nothing new here, and there's really nothing left out here. It's just not quite as poetic. And so here we go, starting in Matthew 11, uh, verse 1. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to, as to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything, because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone 
Who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his sons ask for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now, let's go back up to verse 1, chapter 11, and let's begin to take this apart. So, Luke doesn't give us the place. He just says a certain place. This is what we know from where we left off last week, that some amount of time has probably passed by. We know that they're probably not in the exact same location. This was very normative for Jesus, though. Prayer was a part of his life and his ministry. Jesus prayed, and we actually see over and over him get away to pray. We see him model prayer. We see um, that that he would, he would teach through prayer. He would sometimes then only take a few away to pray. And so his disciples, they had modeled this for him. This wasn't out in the open. He didn't only just pray in the synagogues. It wasn't for flash or for show. It was real. And so after a prayer in a certain place, one of his disciples says to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Man, that's a huge part of discipleship is modeling and teaching and showing. And so that, that is happening. And so what they're saying when he says, teach us to pray, they are, he's saying, teach us to communicate with God. That is what prayer is. Prayer is how we communicate with God. It's communication to God. And so they see Jesus do it. They want to know how to do it. And so this is Jesus' reply. This is how you do it. Starts off. Father, hallowed be your name. Here's the first big idea. Prayer is how we communicate with God to express our faith in Him. The very first word of that prayer is Father. And that is a statement in and of itself. When we go to God in prayer, as a Christian, if you are someone who has placed your faith and trust in Christ, you've believed the good news of the gospel. The gospel is this, is that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. That while we were in rebellion and had hatred in our heart towards God, God loved us anyway. When we were uh, orphaned, God adopted us into his family and calls us his children. Therefore, we get to look at him and cry out, Abba, Father. Now, that, that's, Abba is an Aramaic word that Jesus used in the, original, in the original text. He says, Abba, Father. And it's like us saying, dear dad, dear father. It, it is a term of an endearment, of affection, it is as if a little child with every bit of love in them runs to their parents with open arms begging for them. Right? That, is, that, that is the communication. And so this is a statement. This is a confession of faith. It's a confession of who he is relationally to the one who believes. He is their father. It's a statement. Just like when we say Jesus is Lord... That's a very impacted statement. It means that he's Lord, he's ruler, he's king. It's the same. When we, when we cry out, Father, we're, we're saying the same thing. We're saying, you're the one in charge. 
We need you. We're dependent on you. We, we have to have you in our lives, Father. We need you. And then he says, hallowed be your name. It's saying, holy is your name. It's saying, I, this, is, this is a statement of like, this is not taking the Lord's name in vain. This would be the opposite. It's setting his name up on a pedestal and saying, holy is his name. When you say that, hallowed be your name, it's a confession of who he is relationally to the rest of the entire world. We live in a fallen, broken world with fallen, broken people. We are sinners. The world is broken. No one is righteous. Not even one. No one is without sin. No one is without fault except for God. So this is a theological statement that says God is holy. God is righteous. God is just. God is good. You could go on and on and on talking about the attributes and the character of God. Relationally to the world, this is an expression of his character that he is holy. Now, here's an interesting thing for Christians. If you're, you're in the room today and you said, I, I identify with Christ. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. The life I once lived in the flesh, I now live by faith in the Son of God. I'm transformed. I, the old man has passed away, the new man has come. I have died to my old way of life, I've been raised to a new way of life. When you make this confession, when you say, hallowed be your name, holy is your name, you also have to then turn around and say, I want to be holy because you are holy. Because the Bible teaches us, be holy because God is holy. As a follower of Christ, we, we are Aiming for, trying to, the level of holiness that God calls his people to. And so, there is a standard of living for the Christian. Now, if you've, you've been here any, any amount of time, you know, you've heard me say, our works don't save us. Our holiness doesn't save us. We are, our, our, our own self-righteousness doesn't save us. No, it is Jesus who saves us. We are saved by grace, God's unmerited favor, through faith. It is his work, it is not our own. But what God does in us works out of us. We are called to this new standard and this holy way of, of living. And so when we pray, our Father, hallowed be your name, we're also realizing, we're saying, holiness matters and how we behave matters. And because your name is holy, we want to be holy like you. And so here, here's just one of these benefits of prayer is that prayer will change how you act. It will, it, it will change your morals. It will change your behavior. You're like, no, wait a second, will it? Listen, if you're praying about the holiness of God and you're looking at the character of God, what you're not going to do is think, hey, I should run into sin. I just, I just would, would, would ask you this. In, in your life, in the seasons where you have, have been in rebellion towards God and you have run towards sin and you've run towards the pleasures of the world and you've grasped at them. Could you say, man, that was a time in my life where I like really spent a lot of time in prayer? Well, no, right? I think the opposite would be true. You, I think you would, the, the opposite would probably be true that you would say, you know what? The times in my life when I was in the most rebellion, when I was running from God, I was prayerless. I never prayed. 
prayer changes how you live your life. And so this confession that God is Father and God is holy is going to have a change on your life. Now here's the next thing he said to pray. He said, your kingdom come. So here's the next big idea. Is that prayer is how we communicate with God to express our commitment to His glory. And so when you truly pray, and this isn't just a reciting of the prayer, but when you truly pray, your kingdom come, what you're also saying is, God, I don't want my kingdom. I don't want my glory. I want your glory. I don't want my agenda to advance. I want your agenda to advance. What I want to do is align my life, my agenda with yours. I'm not trying to build my own cardboard kingdom. I'm trying to align myself to be a part of your kingdom. I want it to be your glory. So when we pray, your kingdom come, we're saying, Lord, we want earth to be as it is in heaven. We want what you're doing. We want you to get your way here on earth. But is that how we live our lives? Or do we live our lives trying to build our own little kingdom and put our name on it where we're ruler of it? And I use that term cardboard kingdom. Like what when you say cardboard kingdom, what do you mean? Well this is what I mean is that when we try to build our own little worlds and we try to build them for our glory, and some people are really successful at it and, and by the world standards it looks like, oh man, that person's built their, their own kingdom. Like they've got their own empire. But I want to tell you something. It's just made of cardboard. Like they think that there's a fortress around it. They think that, they, that they're, they're safe. And our worldly safety, our worldly kingdoms, when the storm comes, they will get pelted and the walls will crumble. Imagine trying to build your house and your whole lot out of cardboard and what happens when the first snow dumps on it in the winter. But it will crash in on you and it will kill you. And so what we don't want to do is build our little kingdoms and miss out on God's kingdom. What God has in his kingdom, it is far greater. You know, we think about heaven. And by the way, you know, in Matthew, you see the statement, our Father who is in heaven, who are in heaven... That's saying something about where he exists in the, in the cosmos. But when we read, read about heaven in the Bible, this is what we know. There's like this comparison that the streets there are made of gold. And what that's saying is that, man, the very nicest things that we have here, being gold, one of the most valuable things, is like dirt in heaven. And so what does that mean? But God's kingdom is far better than anything that we will ever build here. And so... This is what we want. We want God's kingdom to advance. We want God's glory. We want to align ourselves with God's will. And when do we want to do it? And how do we want to do it? Every day. Give us each day our daily bread. So here's the next big idea. Prayer is how we communicate with God to express our need for His grace. You know, there aren't many of us who really are praying for daily bread. In, in our moment, in our culture, like we're praying for our 401k, we're praying for Roth IRAs, we're praying 
that the Lord will do this with our business so that we can buy another business. We're praying that like we can do this so we can get into this and we can have wealth management and that, that we can leave a legacy for our kids. And there's some of you are probably thinking about, hmm, I'd love to get to the place one day where I set up trust for my kids, right? You're, you're thinking long term down the road. And by the way, that's okay. It's okay to, it's okay to pray for things long term down the road. We, we absolutely ought to pray for things long-term down the road. There's nothing wrong with that. But what we see here, when he says, give us this day our daily bread, we see this need to pray for God's daily grace in our life, his daily um, ministering to us. And every day, we want him to go before us and fight for us and work for us on 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 our behalf. We need God. And so as we say, we, we pray each day for our daily bread. We're saying, we need you. We need you in every detail of our life. So often we think, man, the little things in life that God, God doesn't even, he doesn't need to care about that. God's too big. God's too busy to care about the little details of our life. And sometimes we kind of feel guilty. We're like, that's just a want, or that's this, or that's that. I, maybe I shouldn't pray for that. God, express those things to God and ask Him to align, uh, to, to provide them, align your life with His, your kingdom, and make you okay with the answer. You know, we see in the Bible that, that God kind of uses this sparrow, and He says, like, if God cares for the sparrow to have a nest, to have a home, how much more does He care for you? We like look at creation and see his sovereign hand, his powerful hand. You see his design in creation. And that should for us point us to go, and how much more does he care for us? We had the coolest thing happen here this week. Um, Thursday and Friday, and I say it's kind of cool, it was kind of gross at the same time, but different than Miller moths, we had these moths migrate through. And so when you are outside of the church Thursday and Friday, happened after Challenger Camp, um, there were just these little moths everywhere. The McKnight kids got here on um, Thursday. They came in and they clean, and they step out in the grass, and these moths start coming up, and, and Quinn, the oldest, is like walking through, and it was like a magical moment for her to see these moths coming up. I was taking pictures of them because they're on the, all over the building, and they're like camouflage. And all of them had these different patterns, but yet some were white, just pure white. And others were these little white moths with these little bitty dots on them. And then their, their legs were zebra-striped. I mean, it was incredible. Now, it was a moth, and they weren't like Miller moths. They didn't come inside. They just wanted to stay outside. I like that. That was good. I don't know why they didn't want to come in. They wanted to stay out there. Uh, they wanted to be good guests. And they were here. There's a few out there now, but I mean, it was like thousands we looked up at the steeple, and the steeple was essentially like not white anymore. It was moth-colored. I mean, it was, it was insane. God has ordained and planned that migration of moths. So wherever he created them from, wherever they were going, probably Greeley. I don't know why. Moths <laughs> like to go to Greeley, but they go to Greeley. And then they, I, don't know if they were, I don't know which way they were going. But I know that God cares about every detail down to a little bitty bug. How much more does he care about you and the things that you have in your life? The daily needs, the daily bread. Now, I want you to know something cool about bread. So, in, in ancient Near Eastern culture, bread was a big deal. 
Um, they could not keep bread fresh. It wasn't like bread. And this is still true. Like I, when, when I go to Brazil, uh, it's, it's fresh bread daily. They make it every day. When do they make that bread? The night before, right? And so if you wake up in the morning and you pray, Lord, give us this day our daily bread, guess what? That's a good prayer. Meet my needs today. When you go to bed that night, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. You're praying for the day tomorrow. Like you're praying, Lord, throughout the day, meet my needs, be with me, Holy Spirit, in this moment, I need you in every little dot and iota of my life. I need your grace and mercy. I need your unmerited favor. I need you. This is a proclamation of need. I need you, Jesus. Verse 4. And forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. Here's the next big idea. Prayer is how we communicate with God to ask forgiveness for our sins. Now, here's, here's, here's the truth. We are sinners. We fall short of the glory of God. We mess up. We make mistakes. I talked about my boys and how much I love being a father. But I want you to know, I mess up as their father. I'm not perfect. I'm not... I'm, Far from a perfect husband. I'm far from a perfect pastor. I'm far from a perfect Christian. I am a sinner in need of grace. And so when I sin, and even when, I, when, I, when I'm pretty sure I'm sinned, I just don't know how, it is right for me to go to the Lord and ask for forgiveness. And this is the good news. One, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And that when we ask forgiveness of our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. When, when, when the believer sins against God and Jesus has paid the price and he's pardoned the price, God, the Bible says that God forgets our sins as far as the east is from the west. That God forgives us our sins, that he doesn't hold us to them. It doesn't mean we don't have to deal with the consequences of them. It, it doesn't mean there's not repercussions from them because there, there is. Our sin, sin has consequences. Our decisions has consequences. But it, what it means is God forgives us and he's not going to hold us eternally, uh, punish us eternally for them. So God forgives us. So know this, that your father wants to hear you. Just like when my child messes up, the thing that I want them to do is self-disclose. I want them to come and go, oh, dad, I did this. I'm so sorry. I made a mistake. Forgive me. I don't want it to go the other way where I have to discover it myself and then ask questions and they lie about it. Or No, I want, the, I want the repentant heart. And so we ask forgiveness of our sins and then we repent. The word repentance means we turn from. We turn from it. We say, hey, we're not going to do that anymore. That's the action that comes behind it. Now, he goes on to say, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. This is a command that we see in Scripture. That Christians, because you have been forgiven much, you forgive much. Because, because you are forgiven by God, you're going to forgive others when they sin against you. This is something we're called to do. So much so, much so that Jesus says, Hey, if you want, won't forgive others, why would you expect me to forgive you? No, you need to forgive. Now, this is what I know. In a room this size, there are multiple people 
who have unforgiveness in their heart and it's crushing them. I know that to be true. That there's no, no doubt that some of you were hurt by your parents. You, didn't, you think you had crappy parents. You probably did have crappy parents. You, you, you had somebody hurt you. Maybe it was in a romantic relationship. Maybe in this relationship or that relationship. And you're at a spot to where you haven't forgiven them. And you're holding a debt against them. When somebody has sinned against us, know that they have sinned against God too. And know that God is a just God. And God is the just, he's just and he is judge. And you leave that up to God. This, this takes away from us this ability of vigilante justice. This ability of like, I'm going to get my justice. No, God gets the justice. And God shows grace and mercy to whom he shows grace to. And I want God to show mercy and grace to the person who's hurt me. And so, I want to tell you, what is the best thing that you can do is pray. And ask the Lord to give you forgiveness in your heart. And then forgive them. To relieve them a debt owed. Now, I want, to know, I, want you, I want you to know something. There are people who have hurt you. And they are in your head. And you are thinking about them. And there's a decent chance they didn't even know they hurt you. Or, if they did, they just don't care. And they're not even thinking about you. But yet, it's taking a ton of your time, a ton of your emotion. And it's putting you at odds with God. And so when you forgive them, when you just say, you know what, I'm relieving them a debt owed. I'm not saying you've got to enter it back into a hurtful relationship. I'm not saying you should stay in cycles of abuse or anything. I know, no, I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying that when somebody has sinned against you, you relieve them a debt owed. I had somebody sin against me one time. I mean, many times, but this one time. And... It, I just held on to it for years. And it just ate at me and ate at me. And if I saw that guy, you know, I don't know what I'd have, I'd have, I'd have done. I just, by God's grace, I never saw him again. And finally, I got to a spot of going like, what are you doing? You've got to forgive them that debt. And now if I saw him, I'd probably give the dude a hug. Right? Like, I, 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 I cheer for that guy. I want that guy's success. I want that guy to do so well. Why? Because he's a sinner just like I was. He's in need of grace just like I was. And may God grant him that grace. And so we should pray and ask for forgiveness and we should forgive others. The next thing he says is this. And lead us not into temptation. Matthew says, and deliver us from evil. Here's my next big idea. Prayer is how we communicate with God to ask for protection from the fallen world. Now, this can kind of can create a theological problem for us when we see this word temptation. You're like, how can God tempt you? Doesn't James say that God can't tempt you? Temptation in, in the Greek is a word that has multiple uses. And so it's probably easy, easier for us to think about, when we think about temptation, to think that God would like test us to put us through trials for our good and for his glory where Satan more tempts us, think like, Shiny lure, bass fishing, trout fishing, whatever. And you've got this trout and you've got this lure in the water and it thinks, oh man, I'm tempted by that and reacts and bites at it and then all of a sudden it's got a treble hook in its mouth and you're putting it on the grill for dinner. right? That's what Satan does. Satan lures you 
in, God tests you. That's probably the better ways for us to think about it. But, but I, I want us to also acknowledge that, that when we say, lead us not to temptation, we're saying, God, protect us from the fallen world. In the fallen world, we like to blame a lot of stuff on Satan when we probably ought to be going, God, protect us from ourselves. Protect us from our own evil wants and desires. Like, for some of us, like, Satan wastes no energy on us. We're, we're, we're good to destroy ourselves. And so, we need to be at that spot where, like, Lord, protect us from ourselves, from, protect us from our dark hearts. Lord, protect us from the fallen world. This is the reality, is that we live in a fallen world. We live in a broken world, and we're asking God to protect us from it. Lord, keep us pure. Keep us holy. Keep our eyes on you. Keep our eyes off the evil things of the world. Keep us from falling into Satan's trap. Lord, when you test us, may we be found faithful. And then he goes into a story, kind of an analogy. And he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him, and he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I can... Uh, I tell you, though, he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence. Meaning, because he's like staying after it. No, you've got to help me. He keeps knocking. He will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask, it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be open. Here's my next big idea. Communicating to God through prayer is a gift that we should not neglect. You know, we've got um, four interns here from the summer. I, I mentioned that. And they're staying in different host homes. And um, Ethan, if you've been around Ethan, he's staying at Ray and Margina's house. Ray and Margina are sitting in the back right there, three, three rows up. I don't think they even know this story yet. And I'm about to out Ethan to them right here on the spot. Friday night, Ashlyn and Olivia drop off Ethan, and Ethan, after he's dropped off, realizes he doesn't have a key to get into his house. And so Ethan's got a choice to make. Do I call Ray and Margina on their house phone, they have a house phone, and wake them up to get them to let me in? Or do I do something else? And he goes, I, I can't, man, that would, I would be a horrible house guest if I called Ray and Margina and asked them to let me in. That would be awful. And he's like, I could call Ashlyn and Olivia, and they could come back and get me, but then I'd have to go stay at a girl's house, and I'm not staying at one of those girls' houses. Like, I'm, I'm not doing that. They're host that would be disrespectful. I can't do that. And if I call them and let them know they're going to feel bad, and like they're going to try to solve the problem, they just need to go home. And John Mark's the other intern. He's staying at my house, and he's like, if I call John Mark, he don't answer. He never answers his phone. That ain't go, that ain't go, that's going to do no good. I can't call Zach. He won't answer his phone. That was true. He said, so what am I going to do? I can't bother Ray and Margina. And so he's like, you know what? I'm going to get on my bicycle and ride around town and see if I can figure something out. Great idea. By the way, somebody got murdered in Fort Collins Friday night. I was like, D you know, just don't do that again. 
And so he decides to ride up to the church and see if he can break into the church and sleep in the church. And so the dude broke into the church. And he slept in there on a couch. He gets in the church and he realizes, there's no blankets in the church. What am I going to do to cover up? You ever tried to sleep without a blanket? I don't know, but we need our little blankies. And so... If you've ever seen our, our little Overland Church tablecloth, it's like this little stretchy tablecloth that says o- Overland Church on it and fits on the white table while you use it on campus and stuff. That's what he's used as a blanket. Now, here's the reality. Ray, if he would have called you, would you have let him in and laughed about it and wanted him to be in your house safe? Ray said yes. Right? Why did Ethan have to sleep in the couch with a tablecloth? Because he didn't ask. Right? He didn't ask. He, he didn't ask Ray. Ray would have wanted it. Ray. Ray's raising his hand. I feel like we're in class. And he's a professor. Ring the doorbell. Right? Knock. He says that right here. Right? Knock and it will be open to you. Ask it will fund. For everyone who receives. And so he tells this story, right? It's a a story that shows you. Now, there's a lot of cultural stuff going on in here, right? You're talking like one kind of bed area. This this wasn't like co-sleeping by choice. This was like forced co-sleeping. And you've got a dad and a mom in the bed. And you've got the, the annoying neighbor, Bobby. You're friends with Bobby, but it doesn't matter how good of friends you are with Bobby. It's late at night. You don't want somebody knocking on your door late at night. Their houses weren't our houses, so they could kind of, you know, you could kind of like speak, and they'd hear you inside. Um, and so he speaks, and he's like, dude, I just got the kids to sleep. And every parent in the room understands this. When you have little kids, and you just get, just get them to sleep, and the prom man comes and rings the doorbell, you're like, I'm canceling prom. I'm over it. I'm done. As much as we love prom, as much as we love Amazon, we're like, done. It's critical. They're finally asleep. And so, He doesn't stop. He just keeps asking. And then what's going to happen? The guy's going to give up. And he's like, hey, my wife just made this bread. I was going to eat this bread. I was going to have great French toast in the morning. But here you go. Take it and go home. And so his point is, it's, it's the asking again. It's not just the praying once. It's the, it's, the, it's the begging for it. It's going, no, I need your help. This is what the... This is what James says. James says, you do not have because you do not ask. Why doesn't God answer our prayers? Often because we never pray them. We never ask God for them. And then he says, you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly. And so often we pray prayers that are the wrong prayers. They're not aligned with God's kingdom. We're not praying, your kingdom come. When you pray prayers that aligns with God's kingdom, he's going to answer them. He's not going to say, you know, he's not going to answer prayers that lead you into temptation, that lead you into sin, that's going to be for your destruction. He's going to answer the prayers that are for your good. Listen. When we fail to pray, our lack of prayer communicates that we believe in our own self-sufficiency. We believe that we can handle it ourselves. And we lie. Satan loves for us to believe that lie. And we lie to ourselves and we say, I can handle it. I can handle it. No. 
You want God to handle it. God has more wisdom than you have. God knows what's the best thing for you. Often we get something set in our minds and we think that's the best thing for you. We fail to ask God if it's the best thing. We go and get that thing. And after we get it, we regret it. And we look back and go, man, I wish I'd asked God about that. And so we, we ought, ought to want what God wants, and we ought to ask. And we ought to ask. Just when my kids ask me for something, I want to meet their needs, I, I, don't, I don't hate it. I love it. I love being their father. So does God. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you, then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Long before I had kids, um, I was with a, a friend of mine. His name was Scott. And um, he had a little girl. And this little girl was sharp. She was a sharp little girl. And it, she, she got hungry. And we were outside like we were in an outdoor environment. And she said, Daddy, I want a snack. Scott goes over to the cooler, and he opens up the cooler, and he brings back a bag of carrots. And he hands this carrots, a little bit of ranch dressing in him. He hands them to his, like, I don't know, three or four-year-old, right? And he's like, here's a snack. And she looks at that, and I'm over there, like, eating a, a oatmeal cream pie. And she looks, at, she looks at that bag of snacks and goes, Daddy, that's not a snack. Carrots aren't a snack. <laughs> like, you know what? Your dad, the dad, knew what was the most nutritious, better option for his daughter. Why wasn't he, here, have some Skittles. Like, why did he say, here, have some carrots? Because he, it was, was it because he didn't love his daughter? Maybe. Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, carrots, that's kind of rough. No, it's because obviously he loved his daughter. He cares for his daughter. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, instead gives him a nope rope? He's like, here. Have a little slithery snake instead of a fish. No, no, no. Never give the nope rope. Um, an egg. Hey, can I have the egg? Gives him a scorpion. Here, eat a scorpion. No father does that. He used these extreme examples. So how much more will the Heavenly Father, and notice, look at the Trinity here. Jesus is talking. How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? The Holy Spirit being the, the gift, the provider, the one who meets our prayers. And here's the last big idea, is that God answers our prayers in the best way for our good and for His glory. God answers our prayers in the best way. He withholds no good thing from his children he gives him the, the, his children the best things he gives them the things they want the bad theologian garth brooks sings a song sometimes i thank god for unanswered prayers just because he doesn't answer doesn't mean he doesn't care catchy song but the truth is there's never an unanswered prayer by god he just answers them differently than we might expect Sometimes it is withholding what is bad for us, the things that we think. And he's helping us align ourselves to your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's bringing our desires uh, in line with what is best for us. And it's, not, it's for our good. He's not going to do what's bad for us. And it's also for his glory. It's, it's, it's that his name may be famous. Today you're hearing all this, and you're in the room, and, and you're skeptical. And you're going, you know what? 
I'm not sure if there's a God. But if there is a God, I'm pretty sure he doesn't care about us. That would make you an agnostic. If that's you, and you're here today, I would love to talk to you. I'd love to have a conversation because I can tell you hundreds, if not thousands of prayers that I have prayed and God has answered. I believe that with everything in me, that there are prayers that I have prayed that that there is no other explanation for the outcome other than God moved on my behalf. I don't think I manifested them. I don't think I willed them into being. I think they're far beyond any control that I have, and God answered them. Just last service, there was a pastor here named Matthew Perry, and Matthew Perry is a pastor in, in Littleton at Arapahoe Road Baptist Church. And he's been praying along with many others the Luke 10-2 prayer. We talked about this in the prior weeks. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, uh, send, send out. Pray the, pray the God of the harvest that will raise up laborers into the field. October of 2014, he emailed me and Dr. York asking if Buck Run would be interested in sending a mission team to help them. I remember exactly where I was. I remember other prayers that I had been praying about. What are my next steps, God? What do you want me to do in ministry? I had literally been sitting in this hunting blind with John Owen, who was about this tall. I was the one hunting, not him yet. And I I remember being praying, and all of a sudden an email comes through from Matthew Perry. And, And I... I answer the email immediately like I'm interested. And in my trips out to explore that mission trip, in in that trip out uh, in in 2015 and feeling God's call here and Jennifer walking in from King Super going, I could live here. And I went, well, that's cool because I think God could be calling us here. Like the Lord answered Matt Perry's email and by God's providence, he was at church this morning. God hears and answers our prayers. And so for the skeptic in the room, I have a challenge for you. Try praying. I dare you. I dare you to ask God to reveal himself to you. He will. For the person in the room that goes, you know what? I believe in God. But I've, I've, I've wanted to be the Lord of my own life. I've not wanted him to be father. I've not wanted him. Maybe today's the day to pray. The most important prayer you'll ever pray. Lord, I'm a sinner. I'm an orphan child. Adopt me. Save me. God, save me. Pray that prayer today. And today, if you're in the room and you're a believer, I've just got one challenge for you. Pray. Just do it. Every day, pray the Lord's Prayer. Pray a prayer. Pray without ceasing. When you get up in the morning, when you go to bed at night, and throughout the day, live a life dependent on God, moving and working, and the Holy Spirit going before you and fighting for you. So Jesus, we love you, and we praise you, and we thank you for who you are, And what you've done. We thank you that you hear our prayers. I look out in the room and I see prayers that we've prayed for people. 
I see the wisdoms in, in today from Durango. And I just think about all the prayers that we have for Durango and establishing a church there and how you've answered. I, th- I think about one business owner in our church who needed to sell one business in order to buy a building for another business and how he needed the things to, to happen and how he closed on one business on Friday and that the money will go into his account on Monday and he'll, he'll close on his, his business in the, the afternoon. That you're right on time in answering our prayers. I look out at the people in the room who are praying prayers of, heal me of this, heal my broken heart, heal me of cancer. And Lord, I want to be a, a, a church that we pray, that we inter, intercede, that we pray for one another, Lord, knowing that you hear our prayers and that you care and that you answer our prayers. Father, we thank you for you love us, for you care for us, that your love for us is unfathomable by our little worldly brains. That your love is so great and so mighty that you hear just the smallest thing. That you're never bothered by us. That you never look at your children and say, just stop talking. That we're always welcome to come. We're always welcome to cry out. We're always welcome to to come and petition you, God. That you hear every word. And you know us and you care for us and you do what's best for us. Father, we thank you for how you love us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand. Let's sing a song of response. But let's pray during this song.